0: You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. Welcome to episode 42 of the Happier at Work podcast. Today's guest is Casey Riles, and he talks to us today about his book, Last to Least, For the last decade, Casey has helped clients think about possible future outcomes, decide how to plan and make the next wise move. For seven straight years, his insurance agency has been number one in production in the entire company. He also has a paving and grading company, Riles Brothers, that just became a million dollar business after only two years. But most importantly, Casey is a husband to Ali a dad to three daughters, and a servant leader in his community for the next generation. I want to apologise in advance for the sound quality. One of the files was corrupted, so it does sound a little bit tinny on Casey's end, but hopefully you can enjoy the podcast nonetheless. Of course, as always, feel free to drop me a message. I love hearing your feedback about the podcast. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome, Casey, to the Happier at Work podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to listeners?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, my name is Casey Riles, and I um, uh, appreciate you having me on this uh, podcast. This, it really means a lot to me.
0: Brilliant. And can you just give us an indication? Uh, I know that you have this wonderful book that has just come out. Like, What brought you to this stage in your career?
1: Sure. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm in, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit. I'm, I'm up here in North Georgia up in the, in the mountains up here. So, uh, you know, I, we started, I, I, st- I went to medical school actually oh, uh, wow. early on in my career. So uh, <laughs> I'm smarter than I look. All right. And, but we, um, uh, when, whenever that I decided that's definitely not the path for me. I like the way people think more than t- touching their armpits or anything like that. So, uh, <laughs> I started to, uh, I got into the insurance business originally. Um, and so, I spent 12 years uh, insurance and and, uh, doing risk management with people. And then uh, my brother and I, we finally kind of started talking about maybe having our own thing instead of working for somebody else. And uh, so we actually started a construction company. It started with just dump trucking, uh, hauling, you know, uh, sand, gravel, dirt. uh, And then it kind of morphed into doing concrete work and asphalt. Um, So really, kind of how we got to here with the book is I started applying some of these principles to my own work as an you know, insurance professional yeah, and then try to teach other people around me these same principles. I saw how successful that I was, how successful they became uh, using that. And then we applied those same principles over to our business and, you know, they're kind of timeless, you know, it's yeah. not like I made a lot of this stuff up. I like how Ray Dalio, he's got a book called principles. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, you know i didn't make this up he's like this stuff's been around you know these things these things are timeless so yeah. it's almost like i just want to be the one like saying hey don't don't forget you know don't forget these things that we all know i yeah. love uh, c.s lewis he said uh, the role of any great teacher is to time and time again bring us back to the simple realities we would otherwise easily forget brilliant. so i kind of want to get in there with that yeah I mean?
0: yeah yeah no that's brilliant that, that's it's such a nice philosophy, such a nice approach to bring it back down. It's a simplicity like there are no new ideas these days. Everyone, I don't want to say everyone's copying each other, but it's it tends to be a variation of something else. But it's great that it makes it much more relatable, I think, if you can talk about things that people are probably doing anyway or that they used to do, that they're aware of, but they just need a framework in which to apply it. And to understand it, at least for me, and my my mind is very structured. I like following policies and procedures and, you know, I, sure. I put things into boxes, all of that sort of stuff. So I guess, I mean, the obvious question from now is like, what what's in the book? Like, what are what are the secrets? Like, what can we learn? Yeah.
1: You know, and it's so you said uh, you like to put them in order, like a framework. Yeah. So kind of the framework of the book is to to how how do I lead me? Yes, because. I know you've probably read leadership books as well. Every leadership book I've ever read says you can't learn to lead others until you first learn to lead who? Me, yeah.
2: I have to learn
1: to lead myself first, and then I can learn to lead others. But I've noticed almost every one of those books go on telling us how to lead other people. They don't stop and tell us how to lead ourselves. And it's because i I got a lot of theories about that. I've, I, I can bore you to death. But go for it. Go for it. I know, you know, it's, it's like... It, The reason I think people don't do that is how to lead ourselves is because we're so infatuated with freedom, right? I mean, in the world, like this is freedom is the highest thing. And a lot of times leading yourself is actually limiting yourself in some areas so that you can be free in other areas. And we like the free. We don't so much love the limiting ourselves, but that is what, that's what leadership is. It's influencing people in a direction. It's and then self leadership is absolutely influencing me in a certain direction. And so when I realized that no books out there or few books out there uh, really talk about self-leadership, I was kind of challenged as I was complaining about that to a few people. They said, well, if you see the problem, why don't you fix it?
0: And I love
1: um, <laughs> Dan Pink. I don't know if you ever heard of Dan Pink. I have, of course, Pink. yeah, yeah. Yeah, top 10 most Ted, uh, watched TED Talks in history. But he actually endorsed my book for oh, me. Oh, amazing. And, uh, he said, uh, management is, Im- or excuse me, self-management is important, perhaps more important than than management itself. Yeah. And he said, this book, last to least, here's a plug, sorry. Yeah, yeah, go uh, for it. Shameless plug.
0: That's shameless, it. go for but it. <laughs> this
1: book will help you make your next wise move. Yeah. And I love how he said that. He mentioned that sometimes self-management is even more important than management itself. Yeah. Uh, because again, you'll never learn to lead others until you first learn to lead yourself. And so, I realized when I when I took when I took full responsibility for leading me, mm. and then taught other people to start doing that as well, then they, their lives got better. Yeah. I mean, that's just simple. Yeah. Uh, that's what we're looking for: better life, uh, more success for our work. And so, uh, when I really started to put down uh, in the book, and we can talk through like framework as well, but that was kind of the the main thrust of yeah, the book. Yeah. How do I lead me? How do I, pr- how do I provide a framework or whatever you want to call it to show somebody else? How do you lead you before you worry about influencing other people?
0: Yeah. I mean, it, everything you're saying, Casey, makes absolute total sense to me. Another kind of observation I have about leading ourselves, maybe it's easier. And you mentioned it there in taking full responsibility. It's easier, I think, for us to think that the fault does not lie with us, that it's, that we can manage other people. It's difficult to manage ourselves and to take responsibility and to accept fault and to accept blame, I think. So that might be another reason for people looking externally saying, if only that person did X, Y, Z, because I'm telling them to, I'm trying to influence them to do this, you know?
1: Absolutely, that is, you know, if, if we fail as a team and I'm the leader, then ultimately it's because, I don't want to say it, but it's because they failed. But if I if I fail personally, if I fail to meet the goals that I set for me, it's either one of two things. I'm not setting correct goals mm. or I, I failed to hit those goals. And that's okay. We can just say it out loud. Like, hey, I, here, I'm the guy who messed up right here. It, it's It's not going to, you know, kill us. It's actually a great starting point to say, I set this goal and I didn't meet it. Mm. And then ask myself, well, you know, why? Yeah. because I didn't understand the goal. It's because, you know, uh, and sometimes it's just because, again, I want certain things more than I want other things. And I hate to actually vocalize that one myself sometimes. Uh, a lot of times we we'll, we want two things that are mutually exclusive. <laughs> yeah. We want to save our money for retirement, and we want to spend our money today. Yes. And it's like, okay, can't do both of those yeah, things. We yeah, have yeah. to decide which one's the higher priority. Yeah, yeah. And of course, in everyday decisions, as we lead ourselves, as I'm steering me through my work every single day, I'm making a thousand decisions, and so I have to have a framework mm. some way that I that I either choose to lead myself, or I'm going to get dragged around by all the you know thousand things that come at
0: me. Yeah. And, it like, you know, what you're talking about there really is this instant gratification. So you use the example of money. The same thing is like if you're losing weight or something like that, that you're like, yeah. I would love the cupcake today, but future me will not thank me for eating the cupcake today. And um, it's interesting what you're saying as well about decisions. And that that kind of reminds me of the likes of Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs where they take a lot of decisions and make them automatic decisions by wearing well one obvious example that everyone talks about is wearing the same clothes every day that takes that removes one decision so therefore it's less stress maybe is the wrong word but it's it's less um taxing on your brain because it's one less decision that you have to make in that day and if you can do that by you know, and I'll bring it back to food again, like meal planning and maybe financial planning as well, that your money automatically goes into your retirement fund. So you don't have the money. It just it just disappears once you get paid. Yes. <laughs> and I, I
1: feel like you're uh, I feel like you're going to the midpoint of my book right now. OK,
0: okay. I've jumped ahead. Have I? <laughs> Great. No, you know,
1: that, that is so cool that that decision making is such a huge part of the way we lead ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And one of, the, one of the things that I really was doing research for this book about decision making, and it was one of the most surprising things that I learned while I was writing the book, is I thought that I made decisions in this kind of cost-benefit, rational analysis yeah. way. Yeah. I thought I made a pros and cons list all day long. I'm just going around in my head making pros and cons. We lists. all like
0: to think that that's how we think, isn't it? And, and make our decisions.
1: Yes, I know. I thought I did. And then James March, who's a research scientist from Stanford, I stumbled on his research. And he's like, no, that's not how you're even, you don't even make decisions that way. He wasn't saying stop making decisions that way. It's great to make decisions that way. But he said, you just don't do it. And so what he said is that you have to, if you're going to change the way you make decisions, you have to change your very identity. Because he said most of us think we make decisions from a rational basis, but we really make decisions from identity. And what you're saying, you know, like those automatic decisions that Zuckerberg does about his clothes, mm. you know, that's an automatic decision that he doesn't have to think about. Yeah. But we're making automatic decisions every single moment of the day. We're making these automatic decisions. So if we want to, if we want to change those decisions today, then I had to start last week and change my identity and I have to make this new identity that mm. makes decisions the way I want it to. Yeah. And so if I want to make decisions differently next year, what I need to start doing today is working on a new identity that makes the decisions in the future that I hope that I really hope for. Yeah. Is that not crazy? That to me, that was just shocking. Yeah. I was like, okay, how do you make better decisions? Well, you've got to build new character traits yeah. that build a new identity that makes decisions the way you want it to do in the future. And I'm like, good grief. Like, who who has withheld this information from me my whole life?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How did other people, I was going to say, how did other people know? But there's not a lot of other people who know that. So um, maybe if we backtrack and like, sorry, I didn't realize I was skipping right into the middle of the book. But if you want to outline the framework and then we can kind of dive into each of the, the different pieces of it then.
1: Yes. Three questions. Everywhere that I go and talk about this, I say, if you can can answer these three questions, you'll have a self-leadership system. Now mine, I'll tell you what mine is, but all of them do the same thing. All self-leadership systems, whether we realize we're doing this or not, we answer these three questions. And one, the first question is just, what is the guiding purpose of my work? I choose to work for something or... I am working for something that has chosen me. Again, that's not something that we, um, I, I know there's a, uh, let's see, what's his name? David Foster Wallace. He was an a author. He actually, unfortunately, committed suicide. But he was one of the just up and coming around 2000 when I was in college. So everybody's talking about this guy. And uh, David Foster Wallace, man, he is going to be the next great author. And he gave a speech at Kenyon College. And he said, uh, if, he said, everybody worships something. And he's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God. But he said, everybody worships something. He said, he went through. Some people worship beauty, money, you know, uh, all different things. But he said, you don't have a choice. This is amazing. He said, you don't have a choice if you worship. You only get to choose what you worship. Okay. He said, I'm going to tell you, you worship something. Casey, you worship something. You don't get a choice if you worship. You only get to choose what you worship. And again, he's an atheist, so he's not even speaking from a religious perspective. But what I realize is, with our with work, we do the same thing. All of us are working for something, and to identify that thing that we're working for, whether it be money, recognition, uh,
3: mm-hmm.
1: I, I have a better, I think I have a better answer. But all of us are working for one of those things. And so, to answer that question, the framework: what is the guiding purpose of my work is the first question. The second question is not, how do I do that? How do I how do I achieve that guiding purpose? If there is a purpose, then it's like, the first, next thing we want to say is, okay, tell me how to do it. Yeah, and yeah. everybody does that. And I'll even tell them, look, the, the <laughs> order of the questions matters as much as the questions themselves. Mm. And, I, and then I still tell them question number one, and they say, okay, how do that we mean, do it? Yeah. And that's question number three. Yeah. How do we do it is question number three. Because we do need those practical steps. Mm. But the question number two, which is how do you link between the purpose and how do we actually do it, yeah. is that decision piece, yeah. which we already kind of covered. Yeah. It's it's not how do we make decisions. It's who achieves that purpose. Okay. What kind of person achieves that purpose? So the three questions was the guiding purpose of work. Who achieves that purpose? And then three is how do they do it? And in, in any self management system, in any self leadership system, I am answering those three questions. If I choose the answers to those three questions though, I can start to steer myself mm. instead of just being kind of dragged along by whatever's going yeah, on in the day.
0: Yeah. It's it, that's so interesting because where I thought you were going between the what and the how maybe was the why, you know, in line with what Simon Sinek talks about. Um but it's interesting. Now, it,
1: I- line so why is yeah. the purpose yeah so start with why yeah it is that is the beginning is yeah. what is that guiding
0: purpose yeah
1: I start with why uh what I realized though is after we go from why we we start going to how really yeah. quickly
0: what I'm thinking.
1: there is this piece in the middle though that I feel like is such a missing link mm. this I, I feel like if there's anything original in my book it's this link yeah is because it's it's why a college student was telling me not long ago. He's like, um, you know, he's like, really, you know, I, I'm I, I want to study an hour a day, but like when basket when I'm playing basketball, <laughs> I don't leave basketball to go study. He was like, that's what I'm missing. Like, I need you to help me leave basketball. And you think about it, that he knows what he needs to do. The purpose is get through school. The how is that I study at least an hour a night. Mm. But what he can't do is at that moment at, at five fifty nine, when he needs to leave the basketball court, yeah. he can't make that decision. Yeah. He is failing. He is doing the, he does not want to do. Mm. And then failing to do the thing he does want to do. Yeah. And that's where that missing link is with the, who achieves that purpose. Yeah. I feel like, We could talk about that for a month. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, but it's it's so it's such a relatable problem, I think. And if you think about at the moment, it could be something like, I mean, this is always the the thing you could go back to Netflix, you know, just one more episode. But the identity being I'm the kind of person who wants to get up in the morning and not feel tired for the day. And I'm I know how I feel when I get tired. (laughs) high High five. Um, and
1: yeah, that is such a different way of looking at it what you just did mm. this is the kind of person i am rather than saying okay here's all the benefits of me me waking up in the morning you don't do that yeah don't you don't sit there and say you know okay here are the four benefits of me getting up early in the morning, mm. and here are the four things about this Netflix show that I think are adding value to my life. Yeah, you just don't do it. You yeah. just lay there and watch because that's who you are, or you go to bed because that's who you are. Yeah, and that starts. That's why we got to get started today for the future. Yeah, because it that started years ago. Yeah, you, know, you were built, me and you, but all of us were building that identity. I mean, it's it's been years. Yeah, since you know how we became who we are. Yeah. Yeah. So true. First engineer that for the future. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's yeah. so fun to me to think about being able to, you know, just like you said, with a diet, you don't do it all in one day. Yeah. You don't you know, lose 20 pounds tomorrow. You don't uh, save for retirement next week. Yeah. It's something that you better start on today though, because it's going to have long term yeah. effects that will absolutely show up. In yeah. The
0: future. It's like that. The old, the ancient Chinese proverb of, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now, you know, <laughs> yes. I love that. just just start just start doing it now. Um, I mean, the, the question that's kind of burning in my mind, of course, is how how do we do it? How do we get started? But if we take the framework and you say thinking about like what steps can people take to really understand what their purpose is? And I, it was interesting to hear you talk about the, the, you either choose a purpose or a purpose chooses you. So I'd love to, to understand a bit more about that as well.
1: Absolutely. So it, just like uh, my, my man, David Foster Wallace said, uh, I thought that was so incredibly eye-opening to see somebody, you know, who's not a religious person, who would, uh, who would say at the same time, though, everybody is worshiping. Because he looks around, and all of us do this. You don't live life for, for nothing. Mm. You live life for something. Yeah, in in the same way, when we work, every person I talk to, if I ask them, "Hey, why do you work?" (laughs) You know, they say money to provide for my family, to get get paid. You know, no matter what it is, if Mm. they like their job or they don't like their job, most people start with that. And I'm going to say this is not a dirty word, but I mean it's self centered. Yeah, it's always something that comes back to me. Mm. So when I say, "What's the guiding purpose of your work?" Most people go to some, they work for some reason, you know, even if it's like my own happiness, yeah. you know, it's whose happiness again, it, it they start most of the time with me. And what I'm saying is work again. I, I love all these things that are like, no, this is how life, re, this is reality. Mm. It's not like, Hey, I want you to change to this.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm just trying to like wave my arms and say, Hey, reality is you don't get any profit or incentive until you meet a need. Mm. That's reality.
3: Yeah.
1: And so if I work and I say, well, what I'm going to start with why to, to go with Mr. Sinek there, and I'm, what's the guiding purpose of my work. And I start with me. I'm missing reality.
2: Yeah.
1: And if I work in the framework of what's real, or I work in a, you know, world that I created, that's not in line with what really happens in the world. Which one am I going to be more productive in? <laughs> Reality, of yeah, course. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying is the the best system of, of leading yourself starts with that guiding purpose of meeting mm. me. That's why I, that's why I called it last to least. Is most people will think of how do I get better at work, and they'll say, well, how do I go from worst to first? Like the 1990 to 91 Braves, my hometown <laughs> okay. team. Yeah, you know, they were a worst place team in '90. They're the first place team in 91. And everybody, everybody I know, every human that I knew at the time had a T-shirt that said worst to first. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, you know, you, there's books about it. Uh, Gordon Bethune wrote a book called Worst to First. You know, how do you go from worst to first? And that's what people are usually asking. How do I turn, I, my life's here and I want to go here. So how do I go from worst to first? Yeah, And I saw that happen with the, the first person I ever managed years ago when I started managing a, an, an insurance agency, I started to lay out these principles for a guy and he would, he, he did, he went from worst to first. He was the third from the last ranked in our entire company. Yeah. And 12 months later, he was third from the top wow. by doing these things that I laid out. And that's kind of what started a lot of people like they sent from all over our company. They would send people to our office to shadow us and be like, Hey, this guy's been here for 15 years Here's where he's been for all 15 years. You know, you start to lead him and he goes to here. How did this happen? Yeah. And I was joking around with him and I called him Sid Bream because Sid Bream was the first baseman for that 1990 to 91. Okay. Race team. And I, I was like, you know, bro, Chip, you went from worst to first. And I started calling him Sid Bream, And then I actually came back and apologized to him because I said, man, what we did. We threw that ranking report out the window. Yeah. We didn't worry about first to first at all. What Mm -hmm. we did is we went from last to least. You made your profits and your incentives the least important. Still important. Yeah. But the least important in this work equation. And you made your customers' needs the most important. And when you did that and you aligned with that purpose of meeting needs before profits and incentives, look what happened to your work. Yeah. You were incredibly engaged. You're incredibly productive. I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't want that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm productive and engaged. Yes. I mean, that that is like the pinnacle of what we're looking for out of our work. And I watched him do it, and it was because not because he said, here's a goal, I'm going to go out and get it, I'm going to get rich or famous. I'm down with it. I want to be rich and famous like everybody else. That's great. I, I want us all to have more money than we can spend. But I'm saying the, the way to get it, more likely, is actually to meet needs, make yourself the least important in the work yeah. equation – make your client customer end user yeah. the most important in that conversation yeah. and then our work will be will be meaningful because we'll be actually doing something mm. with it instead of just sucking profits out of people and at the same time we, we will actually be incredibly productive engaged employees or business owners whichever.
0: yeah no it makes it makes total sense what you're saying and it's it sounds like you're talking about serving so you're serving other people and that's what Absolutely. purpose is all about. And I suppose like if I think and I'd love to know more about your purpose, because you said at the start that you have something that's maybe a little bit different um, and I suppose like mine centers around creating happier workplaces for people, which is why I speak to people like you about how how can we actually go about doing that? And so that's why these kind of conversations are so interesting to me. So I'd, I'd love to know more about what you see as, as your purpose.
1: It's, the uh, again, it's very, when I say it, I'm talking like, I'm talking about it like Viktor Frankl talked about it, uh, Man's search for meaning. Yeah. You, yeah. I've
0: read it. Read yeah. Yeah.
1: I, you said you like to talk about meaning. So I thought you probably had, uh, Viktor Frankl, that book is amazing. I love that guy. I, I wish I could have met it. But, uh, when, when I read that book, I'm talking about the practicality of meaning like he did, that you find meaning in each of these moment by moment things, yeah, yeah. um, and I love how you said you do yours, creating happier workplaces. Who's that for? That's for somebody else. Yeah. That's meeting a need with this podcast to say, how How am I going to meet a need with this podcast? Mm. That's my That's my purpose. And so that's That's what I'm talking about. In, in insurance, my purpose is what What need? I sat down and thought, what need do I actually meet? Mm. And And when I'm an advisor, I want to encourage people to make wise decisions with their money. So. You know, a lot of people will say, "What's you know, what's your what's your mission?" And it's like, "Well, to sell a product." Yes. It's like, yeah, you know, that okay, I I see what you mean. That's that's what you're going to do, but what are you actually trying to achieve with that? Like, if I sell an insurance product, it should be because that meets a need mm. in the market and with an individual family. So the guy started to lead when I went there. He sold because uh, they gave away free trips to places like Ireland. Yeah.
3: Uh,
1: so if you sell out of insurance, you get to go to Ireland. So I'm like, why do you work? And he's like, man, because I I want to make sure I get to those trips. Yeah. And I'm like, well that's why you've never been on one. Because you're working to get to that trip. Yeah. But what you need to do is what Victor frankl said. You need to pursue something greater than yourself mm. and let that ensue. I love that quote from the book. He said, You cannot pursue happiness. You cannot pursue success. It only ensues when you're pursuing something greater than yourself. Mm. And that need that your work actually meets. So with an insurance gap, it's I want to give good advice, uh, help people make wise decisions about their risk. That's my purpose. Yeah. If I am uh, thinking about it in terms of Riles Brothers, which is my uh, trucking and uh, paving company, you know, we want to make a way for people. That's, that, that's what we want to do with our company is uh, we don't. You don't pave uh, something just for fun. Yeah. You pave something because you want to get from here to here. Yeah. And so, what do we want to do? What What's our purpose in paving? Man, we want to make a way for people to be able to get where they need to be. And so, when we start thinking about that and steering ourselves in a thousand different directions during a day, if I make a decision and, and I, I start my decision making process with, I'm going to make a lot of money, or I'm going to make a way for people to get where they want to be. A lot of those things will coincide a lot. If I take, I'm going to make a way, make a lot of money or I'm going to make a way for people. A lot of those two things, I'll make decisions the same way, mm. but there are a lot of times when I'll make very different decisions thinking I'm going to make, make a way for somebody. Okay. than if I'm going to go out and make money. And that's what I'm saying. If we answer that first question about it, it's specific to each one of us. Yeah. Yeah. If we answer that question with our work though, we will end up steering ourselves in a much different direction. Maybe not this week, but I guarantee over the next month and over the next year and over the next 10 years, we'll find ourselves in a much different place mm. uh, when we go after needs first than if we go after profits or already or honestly, even like something like, uh, you know, happiness or, mm. you know, fulfillment.
0: Recognition again, or, yeah.
1: All, it's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. But but it's got to come as a result of meeting needs, mm. not I think it will come as a result of meeting needs, rather than actually pursuing that as an end in itself.
0: Yeah, I think that that's the tough thing. It's the change in identity and the length of time that it takes to become a different person. But like you say, who we are today is a result of all of the decisions that we've made up to this point as well so it's it's kind of it's finding that balance between the the long term and the instant gratification and wanting immediate results um but it's so interesting as well what you say about needs because the research i just did for my master's dissertation centers around this concept of needs satisfaction and how important it is in in a work setting to make sure that employees needs are being satisfied um, especially to drive job satisfaction and to reduce turnover. So effectively, to create happier workplaces, you do need to satisfy employees' needs to know what they are um, and then to to make sure that they're being satisfied at work.
1: Yeah, psychological empowerment theory is what they call it in the academic world. So I, I usually don't say that because most people don't want to get into all this organizational <laughs> behavior charts, uh, which is fun too. I love it. I'm a nerdy guy. Yeah. But, um, you know, when you said, uh, how, how do we kind of get started on on the building that identity? A lot of us want uh, kind of like three steps to a uh, process or something like yeah, that. And yeah, I, yeah, And I think that's incredibly good. I, I like it. So I actually did, did that with, uh, and it's, it's in the book as well, but with building a new identity is actually based on building new character traits. Okay. And really <laughs> think about it. An identity is that buildup of character traits. What makes you, you, or me, me? Ultimately, it's like no different than H2O is water, Yeah, you know, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. If you take all these character traits that we possess and put them together, there's a way that we can actually build character traits that we desire. I, I say this a lot of times, you know, usually if we see somebody successful, we go and ask them, how did you become successful? I think a better question is, what are the character traits that you possess that have led to your success? Because then if we identify those character traits, we can start to build them in ourselves. And then our identity will make decisions the way we want it to in the future. But the way we build a character trait, we better start now again. But the way we do it is is three E's. This only works in English, so uh, sorry (laughs) for everybody else. I'm limited with my language. But three E's of character development. Mm. And if I follow these three E's, uh, then I can start to develop a new character trait. And if I develop enough new character traits, i got a whole brand new idea. In it. Yeah. But three of character development is I need that trait explained. I need to see a powerful example of that trait. And then I need to experience that trait. So, explained example and experience. And I'll go through it real, real fast, just like a hundred thousand foot view. But explained obviously is just telling me what the trait is. I always I talk about grit a lot. Yeah. I love that trait. I want my kids to have grit. Yeah. Um, my eight year old is learning piano right now, and she would say she'll say, "Daddy, I, I can't do that." And I say, "We we don't say I can't. We say I can't." And she always says, "Now, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I can't yet. Yeah.
1: And uh, so, you know, that's the exp- First, I need to explain. Yeah. I need somebody to tell me what is grit. Grit's showing up and doing things. It's it's the power of passion and perseverance, according to Angela Duckworth, uh, who did an incredible book. Read uh, that book as that. well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so good. Goodness, I love that. Yeah, it was so helpful for me. But I need to explain. Then, so I've got a good, you know, if it's explained, I've got a good clear picture of what grit is. Then, if I have a power, if I find a powerful example, and I talk about, uh, you know, there's a ton of powerful examples of grit, but a grit paragon is what Angela Duckworth calls it, but Martin Luther King Jr. He was an incredibly uh, gritty person. He continued to show up when things were tough, changed the consciousness of an entire nation, mm. you know, with help from a lot of others. But that's a powerful example. And when I start to look at his life, now I understand what grit is, but I start to see it a clear, like how it fleshes out in somebody's life. Mm. And then it starts to help me build that trade a little more but last and most powerful is if I ever if I ever recall times that I've experienced grit displayed on my behalf. So if somebody continued to show up for me time and time again, and I don't wanna make you know, I'm not trying to be too corny, but my mother is a powerful example of grit. Mm. She she is she worked very hard with four boys growing up and she she was a teacher and we would watch her be the first one up and out of the house gone before anybody else even got up and she continued to show up for the family and so sometimes if if I need to rec- if I need to show up in a situation for somebody I can recall look you know that's something that was done for me in the past I'm not just this is cool I'm not just saying I'm going to show up for you because of what you're going to give me back. Mm. I'm going to show up for you because what was already done for me. You can't do away with that. You may or may not show back up for me. And so that makes it a little shaky if I'm going to show up for you. But if it was done for me back here and I'm just showing up for you now just because it's happened for me, I've experienced grit in my life. And if I recall that, oh, it starts to build that trait. It becomes part of my identity. It's incredible how that can happen. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's the, it all makes total sense, and it all sounds amazing. Um, I'd love to know, Casey, what makes you happier at work?
1: That incredible question. And I, I know that, that finding meaning in my work is what has made me happier. Yeah. Me being that I meet needs before I even worry. And I, I love the question. Before I even think about my happiness, it, I meet needs. And when I'm thinking about what can I do to make me happier or what can I do to make me more money, I find myself less happy and often find myself making less money. But if I think about how can I really go out and really serve somebody today Hmm. with my work, not serve somebody peripheral to my work, but with the job that I actually how can I make a way for somebody today? When I really put my attention toward that, I find myself like this, the big grin on my face. Yeah. It makes me incredibly happy to pursue those needs and actually meet them and see people, uh, you know, come outside. My brother called me the other day. He was like, he said, you know, it was one a small job that we did. It was a concrete pad for a family, a driveway. He said, but when I left, I realized they've been saving probably for two years yeah. so that they could afford to do this. I got to be the one to come in and make that that simple concrete pad so they could pull into their driveway a little more comfortably. Yeah. He said, man, it just hit me that I got to be the one to do that for them. And I'm like, yes, that keeps us moving right yeah. there. And it makes us incredibly happy when we know we're doing it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, that's, I love those kind of stories as well. Um, so if people want to buy the book, if they want to connect with you, reach out to you, what's the best? Another opportunity to shamelessly show the book as well, if anyone's watching video.
1: That's right. Uh, yeah. So com is the website for the book. I've got a, a few things on there, a couple of videos. Um, and then Instagram and Facebook, of course, uh, is, is where I probably connect with the most folks. Uh, I try to put out some of this stuff, uh, you know, just to kind of keep us fresh with these things in our mind. I try to put some of that stuff on my Instagram and Facebook. And I'm sorry, but I have beautiful, beautiful children. So you'll see a whole lot of them on there as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but... And a beautiful wife, and she's way prettier than me, so I put her on there all the time too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, com, and it's going to be on Amazon as well. It's actually about to to, to launch officially um, you know, on Amazon. The publishing's finally finished. Brilliant. Worked on it for a while, actually. But yeah. com, Facebook, Instagram, um, and then you can buy the book on Amazon as well.
0: Brilliant. That's great. Thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed our chat. could have stayed Thanks. chatting to you all day.
1: You so much i enjoyed it very much
0: there you have it that was casey riles talking about his new book last to least and we covered quite a lot of ground i just wanted to recap on some of the key points that were made and it really comes down to these three. The framework that Casey presented while we were speaking. And so the three questions to ask yourself, what is the guiding purpose of my work? And it's thinking about what do you worship? And we don't have a choice in whether we worship something or not. It's we do have a choice in in what we actually decide to worship. So are we going after something like money or recognition or do we have a higher purpose of serving other people? And this idea of the why and the purpose and pursuing something greater than yourself, something that meets a need in other people and something that is meaningful. We spoke about psychological empowerment as well in terms of the satisfaction of needs, especially at work. Number two then was who achieves that purpose. And in that, we spoke about this concept of identity and it's really down to identity level decision making and what kind of person so a lot of the time people skip straight from what to how without really thinking of the who and I thought this was something that was really unique about our conversation Uh, we hadn't really touched on anything like that previously Uh, I'll come on in a minute again to talk about how we get to that who and that that identity level in a second. But first, I want to talk about the number three, which is how do they do it? So that's more of the step step by step that you take. And it's the question that most people tend to ask is if you reach a level of success, how did you do it without really considering? And now let's take a, a look back at the who and the identity level we spoke about building character traits to become successful and casey had a great framework for this as well there is the explained the example and the experience so the 3 e's and the explained is getting an explanation of what what a specific character trait actually means and if you don't have that trait it's about saying i can't yet so You don't have that trait yet. The example then that he shared was uh, the specific example of grit and the grit paragon, show up when things are tough. So if you continue to show up, that's a real example of showing true grit. And the example, the specific example that he used was Martin Luther King Jr. And then the third E is for experience. And that's recalling times of when you experienced it in your own life. And that could be someone experiencing it as a recipient on someone else. So the example that Casey used was his mother and her showing true grit. She was a teacher getting up and out to work before everyone else in the household even got up. He shared an example of how that has impacted on his life now. So he's showing up for you because of what has happened in his life already. So he's not expecting an exchange as a result of showing up for someone else. He's doing it out of gratitude for what has already happened in his life. We spoke about decisions and how decisions really need... It boils down to being identity-level decisions. So they need to be based on your own personal identity. But if you make decisions based on serving others versus serving yourself it usually results more favorably than if you're just trying to serve yourself. As always, you can connect with me on social media. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. And there is a Facebook group for the Happier at Work podcast as well. So a Facebook group for listeners. And you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien. That's A-O-I-F-E O'Brien. I have another fantastic episode lined up for you for next week. I speak with Garima Gupta all about how HR can take care of HR. So how to take your own advice when it comes to self-care at work and, and, I realise we're in this terrible, stressful situation all the time and HR especially are really feeling the brunt of it because they are the people people and they're looking after everyone else. So Garima shares some really insightful tips about what we can do as HR professionals to look after ourselves essentially. So uh, keep an eye out for that next week. That will be coming out at the same time next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website, happieratwork.ie.